This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You got it. You got it. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby. doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, alone, alone in the rugby dungeon. But Tim Cocker is, well actually I was going to say shipping container, that is not true is it? He is the guest of a huge multinational that has used his power and influence and bribed him to go and stay in one of their hotels. Tim Cocker, how are you? (laughs) Very well. Um, firstly, I just the uh, Egg Chasers listeners and ha- hello, you you won't appreciate the 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 effort that just went into getting the podcast to this point, JB. That was about your fourth attempt to shake off whatever you were up to last night oh, and get the intro goodness done. Me, yes. <laughs> but yes, you're correct. I am at the wonderful Sheraton Grand Hotel you in shale. Edinburgh. What a um, shell! What <laughs> one of what well, Marriott Bonvoy are sponsoring my show on Virgin Radio, and uh, so it's only right that I, you know, road test their wares for the Absolutely weekend. Absolutely, right. lovely week, lovely how, weekend in Edinburgh. How could you possibly promote their services without being one hundred percent comfortable that they are the best in the industry? Well, I mean, on uh, I'll wait. I'll, I'll reserve judgment until after the complimentary Sunday lunch uh, that we're having <laughs> later, but um. Oh, how the other half live, eh? How the other half live? <laughs> no, Edinburgh's... I've, I've been before... For, for, funnily enough, the only time I've ever really been to Edinburgh before is for rugby. Okay. So this, is the first, this is the first sort of non-rugby trip. And uh, what a cracking city. So Brilliant. have you been to Edinburgh before with BT Sport to watch like a European game, that kind of thing? Or work on a European game? Is that what you mean? Yes, yes, exactly that. And uh, the, I was at the, the last time I was here was Lions v Japan. Yeah, so I think when you're working a game, not that I've ever worked a game, but I've been to watch a few games, or actually working a game or watching a game, you don't get to see the city in its entirety because it's so rugby-focused. You do the rugby pubs, you do the rugby stadium, and the whole city for that weekend is geared towards 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 rugby. I think Edinburgh is amazing, but I think you've got to see it outside of that context to really enjoy it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's uh, It's been great. Um, Just to be clear, where's Phil? Well, the way that you're sleeping in two king-size beds stitched together because you're a massive <laughs> VIP, the same way that that's happening with you, he's sleeping in a tent in Derbyshire. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's had a huge domestic, and that's just how it's panned out, really. So, um, anyway, all the best to Phil. <laughs> well, that's fine. Well, there you go. I, just, I, I think, again, this just underlines the, the, 
how committed we are to making sure there is a dose of rugby every single Monday morning, 52 weeks a year without fail. Yeah. We will always bring you a podcast. Yeah. I mean, for you. I mean, you're you're going to a wedding later today, JB. I am. We'd still be doing the podcast if that wedding was your own wedding. Yeah. And whilst we're giving giving each other praise, I mean, you know, the effort for you not to go to the spa this morning to sit on your bed (laughs) and broadcast this, I mean... Nothing but nothing but respect. Nothing but respect. Well, 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 if you appreciate that kind of sacrifice and you appreciate a dose of rugby every single Monday morning, uh, you're, you're already showing that appreciation by um, hitting play. You could hit subscribe. You could leave us a review. You could go to patreon.com forward slash egg chasers as well. Exactly right, Tim. Exactly right. Let's start with the most rugbyist story of the week. And I think it's significant because people have lost their minds over it. The red card situation, 20-minute red cards, what what do you think? Yeah, and to be clear, all that's happened at this point is the is it the, the Sanzar countries in their domestic tournaments are going to be trialling the use of a 20-minute red card. Yes, uh, that's what I understand it to be. Or, or is it World Rugby are now doing it? For, are we trialling it across no, the world? It's Sanzar. It is Sanzar. Yeah. Um, I really like it. I mean, I think rugby is a game to be played 15 on 15. And the only consideration rugby authorities should have, really, is to the integrity of the sport. And I do think when you start reducing the numbers of players on one side or the other, for whatever reason, you compromise the integrity of the game. That's basically what I think. So, yeah, there are reasons to reduce numbers. Yellow cards are a great example. I think yellow... I think cynical yellow cards are great because it really teaches a, a team a lesson not to do that thing, um, whatever that thing was. I think red cards are not so great because it's an individual action. Quite often the red cards now are individuals making mistakes rather than being cynical, and then it costs the team a player for the remainder of the game. And I just don't think that's a good solution. I think you made a really good point right at the end there, and I agree with you about 90%. So... Well, firstly, you know, there's there's no need to get too over the top about this. Like loads of people going, oh, this just shows that <laughs> rugby yeah. isn't doesn't care about safety or something. Well, just wait. They're trialing it. Firstly, it's just a trial in a controlled small um, part of the game to see uh, how it goes. That's the first thing. Yeah. Second thing is, I, I think the reason this has come about is 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 got nothing to do with safety and it's it's neither going to make the game safer or less safe. Yeah, It's actually agree. come about because there are lots of, as you say, technical yellow and red cards, which are pure accidents and just the way that the game has moved. Partly, ironically, as a result of the, the move towards safetyism and all the rest of it, whatever you think of that. But yeah, but I would draw the line. I agree with everything you said. The only difference maybe is... I think there's potentially still a place for a red card as red cards have always been, which is for something. And I know you can't, you can't impute, you can't always decide intent, but we know it when we see it. Yeah, that kind exactly. Of bar of malicious, flagrant foul play. Yeah. Which, for, for which red cards have always been given. So I sort of draw a line, right? So. <laughs> I think the yellow card system for cynical play is really good because teams cannot cheat their way to victory. And when I say cheat their way, I mean consistent offside, consistent meddling in the breakdown, things which not only 
a team might do off their own back, but could even be coached. So I've been in teams before where we've decided to do X, Y, Z in the breakdown, or we've decided to test the rest, the referee to the edge of his edge of his limits, find out where, where, where those limits are, and that is legitimate cheating, and it should be remedied with yellow cards. The yellow card system works perfect for that. The red card system, which is mostly now dished out for foul play. I mean, you've got to do something particularly heinous on a rugby field to get red carded outside of a high tackle. I mean, I can't really think of what you would do. It's it's all foul. It's all for foul play. It's not. It would be because I'm just thinking outside of a, a high tackle, accidental or not, or whatever. Outside of a high tackle, or a go or a shoulder charge. Oh yeah, no, it would have to be something. Like a shoulder charge into someone's head in a ruck, yeah. or a, clo- a clothesline. You got you got to throw a punch if you want a red card in rugby. Punch, yeah, outside of the high tackle laws, you've got to throw a punch. I I would say or stamp or so, or something absolutely something heinous. like that. Yeah, um, something violent. Yeah, but even those crimes, crimes against rugby, they're individual crimes. You know, they're not sort of coached. They're not premeditated like you would get a yellow card for. They're just an individual who's lost his head. So I completely agree. You've got to remove that individual from the game. But the game doesn't need to be compromised by you know, reducing the team to 14 players. And people will point out, and I know Phil would point this out, that red cards don't ruin games. I disagree. Um, I think that a single red card does not ruin a game, but it does change the dynamics. And if you get a yellow card or a subsequent red card after that, then it does ru- ru- ruin the game. A, a 20 minute... Right, right, okay, so... Well, and it also is a 20-minute period of man down, which is significant um, in, in and of itself. The one thing that I've seen a, a lot of people say in response to this is, this is remove, this is um, this is contrary to where rugby needs to go in ensuring mm. safety and, oh. and high hits and stuff because it's going to remove the incentive not to do those things. What are and they talking about? Mental. I, I, I cannot get my head around that. I mean... Even at amateur level, knowing that if I threw a punch and got seen, or, or no, put, or put in a high shot, like a high shot, let's keep it to that. If I knowing that I put in a high shot and got seen would get me a red card, even at an amateur level, I, I wouldn't, de- I would not deliberately do so on that basis alone because I want to be on the field. Yeah. Multiply that by the fact that your career is dependent on you being on the field and showing your value. It's just ludicrous yeah, and, to think that anybody is going to go, oh, I'm only going to be off for 20 minutes and then they can replace me with somebody else. Yeah. Or, so what the heck, I'll hit someone high. Yeah, or the other argument I hear, I, excuse me, I absolutely love this one, right? <laughs> Which is, oh, well, they'll just send on some goon to punch the most valuable player and then they'll replace him and it'll be fine. Rugby teams practice for months, if not years, on their structures and their processes and that involves 15 people. To think they're going to go into a game against, I don't know, Leicester Tigers uh, last year, and the strategy would be, yeah, let's get some goon on to punch George Ford, and then we'll replace him after 20 minutes. And they adjust all their systems and processes for a 14-man game for 20 minutes. It just doesn't stack up. Oh, and then they bring on Freddie Burns, and he uh, and he scores a drop goal. It, you know, it just doesn't stack up. It, it's... It's one of those things which sounds really clever on paper, but it's actually really stupid in in reality. It's just not a thing which can happen or will or will happen. No, I agree. And it, it would be like the, it would be like an updated version of your COVID boy thing. 
Oh yeah, no, that is, that is something which should happen, hundred <laughs> percent. Did the COVID boy have COVID or not have COVID? What did we do with James no, the, Shaw? The, 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 I think the COVID boy idea was that you just have a few members of your squad who you don't really need, who when you need a positive test to get you out of a game. Ah, that's right. Just, uh... Yes, you, you continually give James Short COVID and lock him in a cupboard. That's that's <laughs> the one, isn't it? Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, so <laughs> just back to the red cards, right? What, the idea that red cards don't affect games. I will grant you that there's been some amazing games which have involved red cards, and the team that received a red card won. The reason it's amazing is because you perceive the team to have a red card, ironically, has been wronged, and you kind of root for them. Uh, but actually, what you're seeing there is the whole team having to work you know, 10% harder or 5% harder or, or whatever. It's, it's like superhuman effort. So if your contention is the game is not as safe because the incentive structures have you know, somehow changed, I think you're wrong. I mean, I, I've never made this point before. I, I know you and Phil don't particularly agree with it. But I think when you start lowering the numbers of one team against another team, how is 14 against 15 safer? How is 13 against 15 safer? All your attacking options are limited. You know, the way that you create space sort of disappears because you can't spread the field. You're left with one option to attack, which is basically collision, a collision-based attack. Just get over the game line in the most narrow way possible. And everyone's got to work, got to work a lot harder. They've got to have more interventions, more contacts, more rucks, more carries. And the more you reduce the players, the worse it is. I can't understand how you think, or how anyone would think who plays the game, that it would be safer to reduce numbers on the field. I mean, grand- interesting point. Yeah. I mean, granted, you are playing with 14 or 13 or whatever it may be at the time for 20 minutes. Uh, but I don't think that is safer. I, I don't think reducing numbers is in any way safer. That's interesting. I think the, the final thing I'd say on this is when you look around the world of sport more generally, red cards and then removing a player permanently from a game and a team playing with fewer players is is the not the exception because there are a few that do it but there's a lot more examples of sports where as you said it's an individual offense the individual gets removed yeah the and and that's the extent of it yeah the the other part of this as well is people are ignoring that there are sports out there contact sports namely the nfl which work with a ejection rule so you can have a player ejected there is no period of time where you have to play with a man down and I think the reason they do that is because the NFL, more than anything, I would say, is about scheming and coaching and strategies. And therefore, you can't play with a man down. I think, well, you could play with a man down, but my word, it'd be difficult. It'd be really difficult. Um, and I think that protects the integrity of the actual game. Um, rugby, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem to realise that they're there are other ways to combat this. I think if you start fining players a lot of money, I mean, I'm not in favour of that because you could actually get a player on the field who has put himself in danger, as they say, or got a concussion himself, but then he effectively does that for free because you fine him his match fee. Um, But I do think that fees, bans, that kind of thing, work much better on individual behaviour than red cards. I really do. Yeah, that's interesting. The other one, um, ice hockey, they have... Uh, they have more like this new trial which they're doing. They have because you have the power play where you have an extra player in ice hockey. Yeah. But then either they are allowed to return to the ice after their sim binning, 
unless it's for a specific offence or there are repeated individual errors and then they are they are that player cannot come on it it has to be someone else yeah uh, but um yeah no yeah. it's interesting i just think like simmer down it's just a trial and actually there might there might be a like you say there's there's unintended consequences to everything and well or alternatively there might be positive consequences for the very thing that you're thinking is at threat, which is safety, might could actually even be improved. So let's give it a go. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, have you heard the news coming out of Bath this week? Um, so Johan van Graan is in, and he's he's well, he's bringing in a few players, right? He is bringing in a, f- a few players. This is correct. But one of the things which I, I mean, this reported on on Rugby Pass. Uh, and it's not a huge story, but it did make me think about the situation that Bath are in going into the new season. They're starting the season with six players missing. Now, that doesn't sound on the face of it massive, but I think it is. I mean, a lot of these guys are in are in for surgery. They've lost um, Ellis, who is like a sixth slash second row, and they've lost Yules. Um, they are doing their best, it would seem, to get everyone ready for the new season, you know, turn turn the page on what was a woeful season, but they just don't seem to get any luck whatsoever. Mm, well, again, this might be a perfect opportunity for some fans of Bath uh, listening. Uh, contact edchasers.gmail.com. Send us your email about your review, preview, I should say, of the season for your club. Give us a bit of insight. What do you know? What's What are people saying in your neck of the woods or on your fans' forums and stuff? Where do you see that, that Bath are at? And, and to that, we've had a bunch of emails this week, and this is going to form uh, the spine of a load of content coming your way very soon. So thanks to all the people that have sent in reviews, uh, previews, sorry, for your club um, from just looking down the list now, Quinns and Saints, Newcastle Falcons, Worcester Warriors, Northampton Saints uh, have got the most number from any individual club um, mm. so far. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what they say, Bristol as well. But um, all input is welcome. And like I say, we'll, we'll have some previews of the new season with a certain focus on particular clubs and your help, very important to that. Do you think that the Saints fan base is particularly motivated because they saw what they did towards the end, the end of the season? I, I, I think this is, this would have been, under Chris Boyd, a consistent theme, which is Saints fans been very depressed around December and then very buoyant around May. Yeah, they've always... The glass is half... Empty and uh, and then ha- and that same glass can be half full a little bit later. Either this, either way, they have there's reason to have a strong opinion in any given direction. That that's that's possible. I think it's also possible that Northampton just have a very very passionate fan base, and you see what well, you see that at Franklin's Gardens every other week. Yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah. I, they're so used to getting battered and depressed in December. And they sort of slowly creep a few wins, and they creep a, th- a few more wins, and then they get to the playoffs uh, because of the way that they play. But obviously, with Chris Boyd going, they might revert to a more, um, how can I say, Malander-esque style where they just dominate the scrum. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. We will see. Well, I'd say with, with Vesti still involved, that's probably not the case. I think a lot of people would say that as much as Chris Boyd absolutely from day one, he wanted to open things up and play a different way. Sam Vesti is the architect of the Saints attack, which the last couple of seasons towards the end of the seasons has been absolutely fizzing. So 
yeah, yeah. interesting oh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into northampton when we do the previews but uh, let me just give you an email from ben heath again contact yes, gmail.com. tell me what ben heath he said, talk, uh, said. Uh, ben heath said uh love the pod blah 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 just heard your latest pod where you discussed big cats and hunting oh obviously we yeah. we take some tangents on the on the podcast he said i had to email to correct some things Uh-oh. so corrections he says pumas otherwise known as cougars or mountain lions that's what i, I said i said were... that i said that you kind yeah you kind of did actually he said uh, they have a uh, they have a range that includes most of north and south america oh. so los pumas or los pumas is therefore not a mistake no, I it is a mistake. He's wrong. A large population. It is a mistake. Well, so I, th- I think Ben Ben is right to point out that pumas are native in Argentina. However, he is wrong to point out it wasn't a mistake because yeah. that badge on the Argentina national jersey was originally a jaguar. Correct, Tim. Absolutely and it was a com- it was a commentator on their first one of their uh, first tele- tours with television to the north to the northern hemisphere to the UK, and the commentator called them. Pum- called it called them the pumas not the jaguars and that was a mistake yeah yeah so um very very yeah very fortunate i mean they could end up being called the servals if that commentator got you know <laughs> his big cats mixed up go on servals uh, well uh well on, on this you just mentioned a, a big cat I, I don't really know I, I wouldn't be able to pick out of a lineup but yeah well ben's gonna test you then because he says he says jaguares is also appropriate as jaguars live in argentina too yep in case you're interested there are seven big cat species the definition of big cat is those which weigh 100 pounds or more which is what about 45k 45 kilograms yeah something you can clean and press so if you can clean and press the cat it you know it it, it's a big cat (laughs) here they are in size order well so there's seven of them biggest to smallest okay so i'm smallest okay i'll do the smallest is cheetah one of them uh cheetah is sixth out of seven well done right so would lynx be seven uh, Lynx is not technically a big cat, according to this list. Yeah, that, that, okay, fair, fair enough. We'll come back to that. Biggest, obviously, been tiger. Obviously. Correct. Second would be lion. Correct. Leopard is a big, sturdy cat. That would be three. Uh, that's four, actually. But yeah, decent. Okay, so then, good shout. Jaguar would be four, would be the next. Would be three. Correct. Tiger, uh, lion, jaguar, leopard. One, the- two, three, four. Uh, I've already got five. No, I've got six. You've already got six, which is cheetah. So, so then would puma slash cougar be in between those? Correct. Five. And then last of all would be yeah, the fine, the smallest of the big cats. <sighs> what would it be? Uh, so cheetah. It's got to be smaller than a cheetah. And cheetahs are slight. Serval. I, I don't know what a serval is. Uh, uh, it's. What is a serval? Servals, like no, actually, I mean it's a cat. Obviously, it, it's no, no, because it's smaller than a lynx. It's like a, it's like a really beautiful domestic cat. Except the only thing it thinks about is killing you. So there's a few celebrities now <laughs> who keep servals, and they are nuts. They're absolutely you just, just look them up. You turn your back, and it's trying to nibble through your Achilles, and you know, it, you go to sleep, and it's trying to rip open your windpipe. They are evil, but they look cool. If, if humans just uh, all of a sudden, click of a finger disappeared off Earth. Cats would rule. They are hundred percent. They are. They are just even even domestic house cats when they had to. They they can flip a switch and be 
Feral. Yeah, feral. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, so, the, the smallest of the big cats is a snow leopard. Oh, I'd never have got that. We, we could have been here a long, long time. I'm not convinced yeah. that that is its own unique species. It's clearly part of the leopard family. So, anyway. Anyway. Well, well I'll just quickly finish Ben's uh, email. He says, as to why you would wear camouflage with your blaze orange, it helps break up your shape. Yeah. Animals learn to be afraid of the profile of a human, particularly if they are a hunted species. Yeah, but other my... animals, such as birds, squirrels, can give you away. They often have alarm calls that will put a deer on high alert. So camouflaging yourself from them is ah, also clever. Hang on, but then you're back to the same problem. Then they're going to see your or- see see your orange. And my argument to this would be: Why not just wear urban camouflage? Do you know, like was in it was very in vogue in say, you know early 2000s of just orange camouflage break yourself up with orange orange patterns you kill two birds with one stone excuse the or pun. just or, or you can kill three birds with one stone by having urban camo crossfit gear which oh, you can also use for hunting yeah perfect perfect Can't think of anything and, and to, to, to finish ben's um email he says um Oh, and please, boys, start doing live podcasts and charge an outrageously large ticket price for it. Sounds like it would be great fun. No Negronis, though. They are absolutely vile. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Well, yeah. thank you, Ben. I really enjoyed that email. Uh, do, you know, do you know what else um, the, the wonderful people at Marriott um, sorted out yesterday evening? I did a gin <sighs> tasting. More Marriott plugs. Thing. Yes, come on. Tell me how you get paid. Go on. No, I did a gin tasting. Did um, you really? Yeah. And Yeah, no, I tried all sorts of different gin um, and... Um, but there's one which I had a gin version of an old fashioned because they now do, do ca- cask aged gins, which are brown. Wow. I mean, it sounds like complete nonsense, but wow. Uh, was it nice? It was good. I also had a, I also had a, a Scottish one from Galloway, which uh, they use seaweed in the uh, in with the botanicals they use and uh, and some of the grasses you find Ooh. on the sea and it was a uh, you it, it tasted it tasted like the sea it was uh, it was very cool was have you ever have you ever come off the sea i was kayaking on uh friday night fishing and uh, i can tell you right now i can't think of anything worse than having the taste of the sea in my in my gin and tonic and i love the sea i can't think of anything anything worse than seaweed <laughs> in my gin and tonic but hey horse uh, horses for courses it was good it was uh, no i enjoyed it um, right. Uh, oh, yeah. An- another bit of news. The RFU Council on Friday voted to you uh, following on from the the very sensitive trans debate, which we touched on in the last podcast. They voted to, as the RFU recommended, um, yeah. exclude biological men, trans women from participating in contact, full contact rugby from under 12s and above yeah it is hard to say this is not the right decision based on the so-called science although i'm not convinced that uh, as many people that say they follow the science really do um it is the right decision uh that said uh, you know i really do feel for the people who are excluded from from the sport who were previously playing i do think like for seven players if everyone agrees that they can play just grandfather them in you know just let them carry on playing but there are some obvious, um, how can I say, there's some obvious tells that maybe men are biologically uh, stronger than women. And this was given away to me in the Times, where they 
listed all seven players that are registered as transgender who are playing, or sorry, trans women playing women's sport. And two of them are in their 50s. Now, I don't need to tell you this, but if you're in your 50s playing a level of sport with 20-year-olds, that I mean, there's a reason you can do that, right? Uh, well, yes, I, I think that's a fair shout. I, I certainly can tell you as someone that, uh, well, I keep myself in decent shape and I was ruined after a couple of days of 10s and 7s rugby, exactly. particularly when I played a couple of games uh, not in the vets category and against 20-year-olds um, flying around yeah. like exercets. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, look, that's what the league structure's there to do. League, the league structure will absorb players that are really good, and I guess as long as they're not at the absolute pinnacle of the game, it's not a problem. I was thinking about this um, on my way to the shops this morning, and it's a very crude and maybe stupid way to think about it, but I don't really care about bad players playing rugby. I was thinking about a guy who I played against uh, last year. I played. I just showed up at a, a rugby club. I won't say which one because I don't want to give it away, but I showed up at a rugby club, played, played a game on a one-off, and the guy on the opposition team was so small. He's the smallest guy I've ever seen on a rugby field. And I asked the boys later, what's crack with that guy? I was like, he just carries on turning up. He just carries on turning up. He's got a condition which means he's smaller than everyone else. And, you know, away he goes. Now, I have no problem with that individual taking a risk. But I think you've got to understand that in that case, it's that individual who's substantially smaller than everybody else taking a risk with his own body against large, larger people. Now, you can invert that and say, look, if everyone consents, it's absolutely fine. Um, but it's, 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 just, you know, it's just a very, very hard situation to... to yeah, I, that, that's an interesting um, point of view because I suppose the one thing you could do, if you were there, you know, depending on the level, if it was at a level where there's serious league points on offer and it really matters, then that's just... You know, that's... Uh, yeah. you know, let, let, let the boys play, I guess. But if it was a... You know, a third team game or whatever, and there was fourth team game, and there was someone like you described. You would imagine that it's a lot easier conversation to have being the captain of a guy with that person on your team. Going, look, just would you let your guys know he's got a condition, and yeah, you know, if just don't, you know, don't and, smash and, him. And, and and that that would be totally fine. Everyone would go, okay, cool, cool. It's a, that's a very different conversation to look. We've got someone on our team that's, um, you know, yeah, scientifically proven to be a lot stronger so just just let you guys know you might get smashed yeah no, uh, yeah it's just it's just it's a horrendous situation for those players it is to, to be involved with now i'm about to say something controversial tim are you ready um well if if i'm not ready after 10 years of it jb yeah so I never will be i had this thought and it's me tying lots of different strands of rugby into one thing but i think i'm on fairly solid ground here after the tr- after the trans exclusionary policy was implemented, because that's what it is, it's a trans exclusionary policy, rightly or wrongly, let's call it what it is. You're excluding trans women from playing the game, not from watching, not from being involved with clubs, but from playing. So that's from no from, from play, yeah, from playing women's with rugby, the gender they identify as. Yeah, we're definitely excluding them. There's no if 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 ifs or buts. So following that, there are a lot of people who are saying. How dare Premiership Rugby and English Rugby in general wave the wave the pride flag? And I was like, this is hysteria. But it's not, is it? Because that flag is so inextricably linked with that community that they are right. I don't think Premiership Rugby 
or the RFU or you know anyone certainly in you know um, the public eye of rugby can wave that flag now because how can you say to a group of people you are excluded from the game however do you mind if we borrow your flag and symbols please because we really like the marketing and social kudos that 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 comes with it i think that's absolutely unacceptable and there's no way that premiership rugby should run a pride weekend in the way it's done previously and if it does it should be explicit that this pride weekend is for lgb people the um the q and the t oh the q obviously is fine uh the t absolutely not absolutely not and if they were to run this you know you hear things like um we're trying to erase trans people which I think is ridiculous. But if we were trying to erase trans people, the way we would do it is we would say, you can't play this game. Okay, check that box. But also, when we celebrate the flag, which represents you, you will have no say in how we, in how we do it. We're just going to wave this, wave this flag and exclude you guys from the conversation because a lot of people do not want that flag being waved. And the only logical comparison that I can come to is the way that Exeter Chiefs had to change their name because some people did not like their logo or their messaging because it was a symbol belonging to a different community and that was cultural appropriation. Well, the rainbow flag does not belong to rugby. It belongs to the communities that it's fought for for so long. And I think rugby has no right to, f- to fly that flag or have a, have a pride weekend. That is cultural appropriation and erasure it, by their own standards to the absolute highest degree. Well, I think the opinion you've just shared there would be one that a lot of people very well, the people unhappy with the RFU and RFU Council's decision would would agree with. Yeah. Oh, well, look, I've wanted to get rid of all these campaigning weekends forever, but it just strikes me that rugby has taken, particularly Premiership Premiership rugby, have taken so many campaigns off the shelf without thinking about what they mean and without thinking about how they intersect with rugby. And now they're in a mess because you cannot. If you if they start a, a, a Pride Week um, ne- ne- next year, it's a Pride Week that's going to ex- exclude a key demographic of that community, and I think it is unconscionable, absolutely unconscionable. Particularly, con- uh, you know, because they've, they've literally just banned a group, and I'm in favour of that ban, broad, broad, broadly speaking. I just don't think it's fair that you ban a group but then rub their noses in, but rub their noses in it by waving their flags. As always, JB, you come in with a, a, a an interesting angle I had not considered. I'll tell you what I will do. I'll play the fill role and I will I will just point out that the decision that has been taken is one which can be reversed. Mm-hmm. The decision which has been taken has been stressed. It's based on the scientific evidence that is currently available and the understanding we currently have. If and when that evidence changes I love that. and the science, the scientific understanding is changed, then a, any decision which currently stands can be reversed or altered. And that is that is the right um, emotion free way that decisions like this, difficult decisions like this on sensitive topics like this should be made. Can I just say how much I love the idea that the science might might change on this? It will not change on this whatsoever. It. It's no more going to change than the science of counting the moon every night. We're not going to have two moons, and the moon's not not going to disappear. It's just ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Um, 
the idea as well that we need to consult experts or you need to be a biologist to you know tell what what a woman is or what a man is i would argue that um, we are all experts at this and we certainly don't need some pointy-headed academic from an institution <laughs> somewhere selling oh that's not actually a woman no shut up yes it is so yeah, there, uh, there we go. Um, well, just as long, so long as there's guys like, as Phil Phil repeatedly points out, so long as there's guys like Ross Tucker, who uh, are across stuff like this and able to provide numbers and and reasoning, as to, which goes along with the you know general understanding which every person has about biology and about evolution and millions of years of difference between those with xx and xy chromosomes as long as we have the two things together then then all is good yeah now tangentially um i want to talk about the man the manly seven but i'll do do that after this impromptu commercial break mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Well, thank you to those very high-quality sponsors, obviously, Tim. Did, did you think they were high-quality sponsors? Would you use their services or goods? Uh, I, I, well, if they want to let me road test it, just to be sure, that's... that's. But I, I'm, as, as I'm aware, only high-quality sponsors um, are this podcast. Although I did notice that Amber off Love Island popping up a couple of times. Oh, really? She's been on our podcast Apparently again. So. I've told her not to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I, where were we? Uh, we were talking. We're about to talk about the Manly Seven. Oh, yes, that's right. Before you do, I just I want to share this this with you. It's great. It's uh, uh, Dale Newton has got in touch. Nice one, Dale. And uh, he sent he he sent us what he describes as surely the best literally ever. Oh, uh, this is someone else for literally jail. It's a little video about um, that South African winger. D- who, who, oh, sorry? Who's South African uh, Dianti, uh, Afiwi Dianti. Oh, yeah. This oh, I've got to go through the... Got to go through the five... To get... How do you go. not Here have... Listen up, listen up, listen up. Yeah, he, he has a village on his back, literally, and he couldn't be more proud of that. And that, that... Jesus Christ, that is on hell of a weight to bear. A whole village. Yeah. That's, wow. Uh, and also, um, in a separate email, um, Dale, and you like this one, he said, uh, blah, blah, blah. I fully agree with JB on the concussion issue. The question of whether 
stripping these players of agency and autonomy is justified in the interest of the game is conspicuously ignored and it needs to be asked. Yes, quite right. Um, and quite right. He, he's, uh, uh, we see this kind of paternalistic approach to most other medium risk slash high risk jobs and activities. For example, miners, construction workers, police officers, downhill riders, free divers, boxers, egg chaser, podcasters, etc. Yeah, and completely agree on, with them. So completely agree with them. The, the, I've got to say, JB, the last few weeks we've delved into some, as I say, sensitive, difficult topics. Uh, a lot of people agree with stances you, you take. You're not. You're far, far, far. Um, I'm a crowd on this. You're 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 I'm not a, far from the crowd on this one, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a man of the people. That's what you're trying to say to. <laughs> well, let's. You are on the Manly Seven. What's the story here? The rugby league, right? Yeah. So Manly, a team in Sydney, Australia, rugby league team, have decided that they're not going to wear the pride flag, or more accurately, seven players have decided they're not going to wear the pride flag in a special jersey on a special jersey for one weekend because of religious considerations. And I, no matter which way I, I cut this up, I 100% support them. 100%. The pride flag itself is political. Why wear it if it's not? And people say that it's beyond politics. Well, they might be right, actually. Maybe it is beyond politics, but the only thing I can think of which is beyond politics is a religion. And I don't want to be compelled to wear a, a, a political flag or a religious flag. So whichever way you cut it, I wouldn't do it. Uh, and, I, and I'm and i an atheist. I just simply would not do it. Now, what the... Uh, uh, are, you, are you atheist rather, rather than agnostic? Uh, well, yeah, look, for... Um, yeah, I, I, I guess agnostic would be the, a better term because if you proved to me that there was a god, then I would obviously believe it because you, you've, you've proved it. So I guess agnostic. Would I, be and it. I look, I look out at the the infinity of time and space, and all I know is how much I don't know. So yeah, exactly. I'm, right. to, yeah. I'm willing to believe anything. Yeah, I, I suspect if there is a god, he looks very much like Elon Musk, but from a diff, from a different civilization. <laughs> That, that that's kind of that's kind of what I imagine. All, all in a simulation. It's going to be. So, we don't want to really find out because it's going to be incredibly dark. But um, the Elon Musk. Yeah, but the point is, these guys don't want to do it. Okay, and if they don't want to do it, you should not compel people to wear or spread a message that they don't believe in. And it's not just because I am a horrible bigot that I'm saying this. I'm saying it because when these pride events first started happening they meant something because everybody agreed to wear the shirt and agree with the message which is inclusion right if you don't agree with that message but you're forced to wear that shirt it's so empty that the whole thing is pointless in the same way that i think the rfu should not fly the flag because they obviously don't believe in the principles that the pride flag stands for if you individually do not believe in the principles that the prior flag stands for, you should not wear it. I, I think the Manly Seven stance is far more genuine and far more morally upstanding than the RFU stance, should they fly the flag, because they don't mean it. And the, all the Manly Seven are saying is, we don't, we don't believe it either. And there's a further wrinkle to this, which is they were not consulted on the shirt, which they should be, because, you know, as any righteous woke person will tell you, consent is everything. Um, they were not. They were not consulted. They they did not consent to do this, 
Uh, that, that surely is a point that everybody, whatever you, you, whether you agree, disagree, are upset with these players or ambivalent or whatever, that's surely the one area. And let's search for the points of view, the, the things we can agree on. The way that it was done was shocking and it should be condemned from all angles because from if what's reported and appears to have been verified is in fact the case, these players only found out when the shirt was leaked. Yeah. Here. And this is, this is after celebrity had done um, uh, media shots to promote the shirt and the game and the weekend in the weeks and months before. So the club had full knowledge even days before it was announced, some people going, um, I think we might have an issue. We need to tell people we might need to reverse this. And they were told, and the marketing departments, no, we're doing it. Yeah. Even even at that point, they didn't think to to get the buy-in of these players or at least manage. So the way it's been managed and the story it's become was wholly avoidable, whatever your issue. Completely agree, mate. Com- completely agree. Um, yeah, it's just another really unfortunate rugby incident. Luckily, it's it's not our code. But I tell you what, I, I think it's going to set a precedent now of a lot of players saying, I don't want to do this. You know, the England players um, were told that they needed to take, take a knee for BML. And it was only because of the common sense of certain players within the England camp that that became... That that became voluntary rather than mandatory across the in, across the entire squad. So if you look at the people that take who took the knee um, for England, there'll be some conspicuous players not not kneeling because they thought, yeah, this is not a message which I want to which I want to condone, and they're not the players that you that you would necessarily expect based on their based on their identity. Another one I, which I, I, rugby really messed up on on the BML one um, was. A you know, basically a blanket policy that this must be acknowledged. Uh, I remember one Premiership club and one player from a Premiership club contacted me saying, "Look, I'm the you know I'm the only black guy in this club, and nobody's asked me, and I'm expected to comply with these stupid laws or these or you know, laws, I guess, but this ridiculous uh, routine, and I don't want to do it." Mm. Well, I, I guess th- this is one of those times where if you preach tolerant and inclusive inclusivity you have the you have the opportunity to really demonstrate it Paul that have maybe different opinions to yours let's let's see if you can still be inclusive and tolerant of those views which you might not agree with yeah yeah I completely agree so and you know it just it's what's wound me up the most is people saying things like oh well the bible says xyz why don't they follow those you know if if they were re- if the Manly Seven were really Christian, they would have a problem with all these other things, which is completely dis- disingenuous. People um, follow religious beliefs in the way that they feel fit, and it's not for me to question it. Uh, likewise, you know, someone who says that they're tolerant, I mean, do we do we do we play the same trick trick on them? Do we say, oh, you say that you're inclusionary, however, you're a hypocrite because you're not tolerating the man like the Manly Seven? I mean, what what is this? And to really put a cap on it all. These guys were told that they were not to attend the game for fear of abuse and verbal as well as physical intimidation. And at this point, you've got to say this is unacceptable. It's completely, completely unacceptable. I'll tell you who else thinks this. I was talking to somebody very senior who represents players, not an agent, but um, represents players. And I think what's going to happen eventually is they're going to have to have a ban on all of these campaigns because it's, it's going to backfire. 
if you don't consult your consult your players, you'll be in the media not because of the campaign you tried to run or the values that your team says that they hold. You'll be in the press because one of your players does not hold these values, and it will almost be more damaging to have a player hold out of these things than it would be not to run the campaign in the first place. So, and also from just a literally a union sort of labour standpoint, they need to run past all these players what they plan to do with their with their image, with their reputations, with their social media, all all of that before they go run silly campaigns which the players don't agree with. Yeah, and to, to maybe bring this back to something that we talk about a lot with rugby, and obviously this is rugby league that's prompted this conversation, but one of the things which I, I still and I'm still very proud of, and it's one of the reasons why I love the sport in addition to actually getting involved on the field, is the fact that that rugby clubhouse and that stand rugby club is diverse in opinion, in background, and welcoming of all colours, creeds, ethnicities, opinions, whatever it is, abilities, side, sexuality, mm. all that. It is that inclusive place. And um want people that are devoutly religious to feel they've got a place sat next every bit as much as someone who is gay, 25 stone, or got that condition which you referred to earlier um, that makes you unusually small that there's mm. I, I feel like they can sit down next to me and this this is yeah so at the very least let's get out ahead of these conversations and make sure something happened at manly nation which should never have come to light not even talking about whether the shirt should be put on or not but the situation which arose should never have happened yeah yeah, com- completely agree. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, nor should the abuse, nor should the levels of, hi- uh, nor should the levelling of hypocrisy or them being Agreed. stupid or any of these things. Because you know, if you want to talk about excluding people, there's a lot of people who would have seen the treatment of the Manly Seven across rugby league and said, "Yeah, do you know what? I'm not going to go 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 to that game." Or worse still, in the parlances of of the woke, someone who is religious but just will not will not come out with that now because they're worried about being judged by their peers, being called, you know, small-minded pro, uh, you know, pro, uh, parochial simpletons or whatever the, what, what, whatever, whatever the thing is. So well, yeah. we, we don't, we don't naming specifics and go back around it, but I, even now, a couple of years after it happened, there is one very high profile English, Gets a load of crap because he liked a tweet once. Which which, which one's that? <laughs> it doesn't. It was it was that high profile. Um, uh, no, it doesn't. Doesn't matter. We don't need to go. It doesn't matter. It was. But anyway, I still people. I, I in the last week, I've seen people bringing up. What the heck? I've seen people bringing up that Billy Vapola liked ah, a tweet once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I'm still very, very bitter about the treatment of Israel Falau, and I will continue to be bitter, and I'll continue to talk about how awful his treatment was by the rugby authorities. For what? For believing something. So, yeah, anyway. That, that'll be that. Have you seen any of the Commonwealth Games 7s? Only that Uganda drew with Australia, but then failed to qualify for the knockouts. Oh, and England got smashed, didn't they, by Samoa? Yeah, yeah, England England got absolutely pumped and their um 
they were long gone. In, uh, and yeah, it's cool seeing Uganda there. Yeah, and the the it was pointed out by one of our um, one of our listeners who's on a little WhatsApp group with us, Tim Hughes. The the Kenya tracksuits that their management are wearing are, are uh, very cool. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Yeah, Kenya, to- there's some good stash knocking around. So I am very strict with stash. I think your stash should re- reflect what the constitution of your club or your nation says. Absolutely. Um, although I've, I'm quite smitten with, I'm not sure if it's Man City's warm-up kit or the actual home kit with all the little pa- patterns on it. It looks absolutely awesome. Awesome. Oh, I've not seen that. Yeah, it looks uh, it, really it, cool. It has been pointed out with, they are, when they bring up the name of each player, they put, as well as their age and Obviously, they're actually putting their height and weight up regularly on the screen. Brilliant! Brilliant I, I just, I just, and it, I, I did wonder whether you'd been seconded by the Commonwealth Games to weigh every, weigh each of the players before they compete. No, but I tell you what, I would do. I would demand that every player who's going to play sevens does. Is it a light gates test where you run through one, basically the forty yard dash, right? And then what we have when the teams come out is the uh, is average team pace. Okay. So I, I don't know how you how, how you express this, but I, you know, whether you put it into some sort of index or some some such thing. Uh, but I think average team pace would be absolutely brilliant. And then average, and then obviously the way bridge for fifteens. That needs to happen, and and like, as we already identified, that could there's a spot. Yeah. Put your hand off. They could literally do that tomorrow. There is no reason they could not do that tomorrow. Yeah, and you could imagine. Yeah, and like the machinery company, like JCB, would be all over that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't even have to be a, a company that actually weigh things. It's just well, presumably. I mean, Northampton are sponsored by a building contractor in Perkins of Building Supplies. They must Travis have. Perkins, yeah. yeah, they, they, yeah, yes, Travis Perkins. Sorry, they and J, uh, Leicester Tigers have got Breeden Aggregates, which is basically you know a quarry company of some description. Between the two of them, they must know somebody in the Weybridge in industry. I mean, Newcastle have got Hitachi heavy, heavy Industries on on their shirt, or they used to. They must know somebody who does Weybridges. Oh, there's no question. What what I mean is, it, it, the the actual Weybridge itself is not the difficult part, but the the, the sponsor. I'm yeah. just I'm just saying, there's so many people that would love to be associated with that message of these are massive men. Yeah, I mean, well, that all, and, and, so many so many of the sponsors you've already mentioned with rugby. It's not just about the fact that the audience is made up of quite often people who have disposable income to spend on weighing heavy like, machinery. You know, like, like you know, AJ Bell, for example, is a is a financial investment company. That that's you get a lot of that in rugby, but you Ooh. be seen around these big, strong boys. Yeah, do you know? I've got one more story for you, and it is exclusive to this podcast. Ooh, hello. Yeah, well, as has your phone y- been? Yes, as of yesterday, Saturday. So we're on Sunday. As of Saturday. Worcester Warriors have not been paid again. This is the third time this year that the players' payments have been late. Make of that what you will. But it's not good. That's really not good. So, 
Hmm. So I run a very and and uh, cash flow is a factor, particularly for small businesses. Yes. And you know you, I love it. I love working with uh, the the some people that pay you promptly straight away when they say they will, and it yep. can have big con- big consequences. But you don't think about an organisation like a, a sporting organisation as having cash flow issues like that. And if they are, well, you know, Simon, that's a really worrying sign. Um, Simon Orange, the owner of Sail Sharks, has told me multiple times that you need to be very, very wealthy to run a rugby club because it costs you a lot of money. And I don't think it is a sport that somebody without a tangentially um, profitable business can get can get into. You know, if you if you have a business where you can use your rugby club for networking or entertaining, you know, you're basically using it as an enormous racehorse because you can build a whole sort of um, social calendar around it, and you know that's how you make money from it. You know, theoretically, that's certainly what happens with football clubs. Um, well, then fine. But if you're not in that situation, I don't think you should be in rugby. And I don't know what the situation is with Worcester, but it it sounds like the guys who own Worcester are really struggling to meet the bills. This matters on two fronts, really. Number one is the the, the salary cap. So players are going to look around the league and their salaries will be, broadly speaking, the same unless a team has an exceptional need for a player. So if if a team has no wingers, uh, you'd expect the winger on the market to get much more money than he otherwise would do going, going elsewhere. But players are going to look at this and go, OK, I want to win things uh, and I want to be paid on time. It's going to have massive consequences for us to this because they're going to have to start overpay, playing, overpaying players and, and players that are willing to take the risks to come to Worcester knowing that they might not get paid on, uh, on time. Otherwise, you can take a little less money, go to Saracens and potentially go to the playoffs and in, in, in the European Cup and all the rest of it. So all of these things really matter now. Um, what clubs can offer outside of the salary is vitally important to their squad construction, and Worcester are manifestly failing. Mm, and that that only compounds itself. Sorry, Tim, again, I, I, I so, sorry, sorry, uh, you breaking up? Say it again. Oh, sorry, I was going to say. Um, I, again, I've got. I, I, I'm taking this on on your word, mm-hmm. correct for the purpose of this conversation. Uh, that also compounds the issue. You can imagine how difficult a man management job Steve Diamond has got. Really hard to give your all to a cause. Yeah. When you're when you, you you're having to call up your mortgage company and just say, "Sorry, there's sorry that payment didn't go through," and and the issues that it causes as a oh the difficulty I... that it causes with your wife and stuff. And like on a on a small level, these guys that go out on the field and we talk about the, the physicality and the and everything, you have to give every ounce of yourself to achieve. And the and the, the the amazing thing about rugby and teams, and this goes for all levels. I'm sure it's the same at Tok H. If there's one little rotten apple or one little crack, yeah, it, it festers, and that and that that can t- that can ruin a whole season. Completely agree. Completely agree. You can't have players worrying about getting getting paid if you want to win win games. It's just not a thing thing, thing that can happen. Um, there is one more thing. It's more of a prediction than a story, but one more thing. The RFU are launching an inquiry into the Luther Burrell racism claims. Mark my words, this is going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. But I'm not going to say anything until they, until the inquiry has concluded. But believe you me, 
Uh, we're in for a rocky ride on that one. Hmm. I, there, there was an article about that from Martin Fire in the rugby paper today. Um, yeah. I think he was he was pleading for a bit of nuance in the situation, basically landing where my opinion would be, which was which would be show me the specific examples of racism, specific. Yep. Alongside you, shoulder to shoulder, and condemn it. Um, let, let's try and avoid broad levels across whole groups, whole teams, whole sports, whole whole everything. Yeah, well, this is what I'm gonna. Uh, this is what I'll say. Um, I believe that this report will be done. I am not sure if it will see the light of day. Um, if rugby is clever, it will not see the light of day. They will simply bury it because that's what I would do. Because if it does, if it comes out any way like we think it might do, I think the subsequent information and the context and all, all and everything else around it is going to be incredibly damaging for rugby. So that's you know that that's that 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 is my prediction. We're going to have a very rocky road uh, with this one if it. Um, all sees the light of day. And, and that's, again, just to reiterate, um, any any example of or, or anything like that, just specific examples and all three of us on this podcast and along with the vast, 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 vast majority of all people, let alone everyone in, in, engaged in rugby, will be alongside you, mm. with you. So... Yeah, that's a, that's a given. Uh, just, just, uh, just uh, did you see? Uh, it was cool seeing um, a, a fifteen-player playing sevens. Karevi for Australia. That was that was cool. See, because quite often it, it talked about this before. The games are so different that it's quite rare for a player to to transition seamlessly fifteens to sevens. And Samu Karevi clearly is one of those uh, special talents. Yeah, can I say something a little bit um, condescending towards the sevens players? A tiny bit. Yeah. I just don't think the standard of the sevens players. This is awful, right? Because obviously they train hard and they're specialists and they're very good. They're better sevens players than they are fifteens players. Hence, they play fifteens. Uh, sorry, sevens. But the money involved with fifteens, I suspect, would mean that someone like Karevi could tra- uh, transition over quite quickly. Although, what does surprise me about the Karevi thing is he was only playing fifteens about two weeks ago. Um, yeah. So that does actually mark him out as a difference. But I just think. Because of the monetary pull of fifteens, all of the best play- all the best sevens players are playing fifteens, and then whatever is left, and you know whoever wants to be a seven specialist can go and do their do 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 their sevens separately. Wouldn't surprise me if uh, a lot more fifteens guys, if the opportunity arose, could transition to sevens pretty easily. But I don't see it going the other way around. I think sevens is like if if, if I had the the talent to have been a, a sevens player. Then, then I would have done, like, in my late teens, early 20s, travel the world, just make sure I've got Tinder on my phone and yep. just just go and travel and have fun. Travel the world, rack up those air miles, make some memories. Rack up... Sorry, mate, you, you broke up then. Rack up the what? Rack up the miles. The... the... Sorry, you you literally. I'm not joking. You 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 literally broke broke up broke up broke up again. And hold on, rack no, up, hold, rack up the hold, women. Hold hold, hold hold up there. Hold up. Hold on one second. I'm gonna f- Wi-Fi. Hold on. 
You right? No. Tim's disappeared. Are you there? Yes, I am here, mate. Sorry, Fantastic. so that, sorry. So you, you were saying you were going to tra- tra- travel the world, get Tinder on your phone, rack up the women. Uh, and <laughs> was there anything else that you wanted to? Is there anything else that you wanted to say? <laughs> rack up the air miles. Oh, the air miles. Why didn't you say so? Make make some memories, and and then and then my adult life and rugby career with it can start after that point. Roger that's, that. That's, that's how seven should be treated. Oh, thank God you cleared that cl- cleared that up. I, I thought you were going to be a slightly less ta- talented version of Aaron Smith traveling the world. <laughs> much much less talented. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, but uh, you're right. You're right about the financial pool. But it's it's cool to see it nonetheless. It's cool to see because again, I, I know it's um, I know it's only the Commonwealth Games. It's not the but the rugby is in the Olympics, and for a lot of people, this will be the only rugby union that they'll see. Outside of maybe a World Cup, yeah. Final. But the thing is, with sevens cool. is it's just like it's just not rugby, is it? It's not rugby in the same way that touch is not rugby. It's a different game completely. It it deserves a lot of respect, uh, but it's just not 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 rugby. And I, I mean, I've been to watch the sevens. I've been to watch uh, the HSBC sevens in Twickenham, and I can't remember a single second of rugby which occurred because it's more about the events. Um, yeah. Yeah, sevens is sevens is a tricky one for me because I, I kind of respect it, but I don't love it in the same way that I really love fifteens. Did I miss an invite to the HSB sevens this year, or did did you and Phil go again? No, we did you? not. But um, all of our contacts have mm. left their have left their jobs who used to wangle us in. So uh, we're, we're we're missing our man at HSBC. We're missing our man uh, at the tournament or um, tournament organizer. Uh, yeah, we're missing we're missing people, Tim. If, if, so, if you want to be one of the egg chasers people that you know greases the wheels, please just let us know. <laughs> right, there's still there's still got plenty of them. They just they hop around and uh... tell you what the yeah. If you do get the opportunity to go to HSB seven HSBC sevens as a guest of HSBC, bite their hand off. That's what I would say. Bite their hand off. It is brilliant. And don't expect to see any rugby. Don't, yeah, that's a waste of time. You're not going to see it. The, the Twickenham Bar at HSBC Sevens opens at, I think, 10 a.m. or maybe it's 11 a.m. But I'm splitting hairs. And it was the same weekend as the ah. That's why you weren't there. You were working one of the semi-finals. You're either doing Gloucester yes. versus Saracens or Northampton versus somebody else. Yes. That's why you weren't there. Um, Correct. Uh, uh, Harlequins, maybe? Harlequins, Harlequins Exeter? Uh, yeah, that rings a bell. One, one of those two. So, yeah, we... Oh, no, no, I wasn't working that semi-final. It doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Anyway, um, just a couple of other, just before we wrap up, a couple of other bits of just rugby, rugby news. Nice positive story. Uh, Jake Paledri is nearing a return. He's still on the comeback trail after that horrific injury multiple operations on his knee on his knee during his recovery uh, but Gloucester are showing their faith in him and he signed a new contract even though he's been out I've for got to say years. I mean Gloucester have done him a, a real big favour there a real big favour we saw Jake Pledry didn't we over 12 months ago he's at North Dorset Sevens with his side of Anne um, doing a great uh, doing a great job 
And at that point, he might have been out since the World Cup. So he might have been out 12 months from that point. So we're looking about two years already out, and they've given him a one-year contract ex- extension. That I, I just think Gloucester have done. The, the, it's not nice to put it in these way, uh, in this sort of way, but they, they, they've they've done him a real big favour because if I'm managing that salary cap, I don't know if I'm keeping hold of Jake, uh, of Jake Pledry. I, I just well the way the way most players' contracts are organised. Your contract can be voided, and yeah. you can have no more payment after I think it's possibly six, but definitely nine months out injured. I mean, you've got to say if, if he wasn't such a dominant player like he was in his, you know, in his prime, I'm not sure Gloucester would be doing this. They're basically paying him a retainer, hoping that he gets back to anything like his former self. Because if he does, it's money well spent. If he doesn't. Yeah, big risk by Gloucester, and maybe not the smartest salary cap move. But you know, uh, they're supporting their player. Uh, you know, you've, yeah, good, good, good and for he, them. He's had very nearly two years out, and he's still twenty six. So, is he twenty six? Twenty six. He's got a lot of rugby to play. God, I thought he was younger than that. I thought he's like, well, twenty four. That's not that much younger. Was it? He's had. He was twenty four when he last played. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I I sincerely hope he gets back because when he does get back, he's one of the bona fide prem, uh, 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 Premiership stars in the league. A hundred percent. And uh, Andy Farrell's got a two-year extension. Ah, yes, yes. I I love this one. What a difference two games make, eh? Yeah, yeah. You're right. Do you imagine trying to do that deal after the first test? Yeah, we're on the. We're on the right track. Things are going uh, you know, are going well. Can I have a new contract? Oh, well, me and the board will have to think about it. Uh, two weeks later, I mean, I don't think they could throw enough money at him. Mm. Yeah, and, no, and also just uh, from a bargaining point of view, and it's perfect for Andy Farrell because Ireland know he's demonstrated his value and also... They know he's English, and England have a vacancy following next year's World Cup. Ah, yes, well done. Yeah, I. Yeah, look, I, it's very difficult to gauge how good international coaches are because Andy Farrell has absolutely everything at his disposal. I don't think Andy Farrell wants for anything, whereas I think Eddie Jones would kill for Andy Farrell's access and all of the tools that he has available. Would Andy Farrell be any good as England coach? He might be. He might be. I think it is only right, though, that the RFU give the England job to somebody working in the Premiership. If you have to play in the Premiership, you have to coach in 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 the Premiership, and I think that should be, um, you know, a, that should be a rule set set in stone. It's not fair to expect the players to have to compromise their careers, but coaches can go absolutely anywhere in the world. Yes, fair point. Hmm. Fair point. Excellent. Do some housekeeping and uh, wrap this up for me, please, Tim. Well, yeah, just very, just very quick. Oh, yes. uh, pre preseason update. What's how's it going? Oh, um, I, I I would say I came about second in the fitness on Thursday. Not that it's all about me, but uh, we are raring to go now. We're missing a few players. Numbers are very, 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 very strong. Um, it, at the moment, it's all about sort of just building your combinations and concentrating on a few key things but ultimately we're looking all right it's going to be a bloody hard season a really hard 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 season because we're sort of rebuilding the team a bit 
But yeah, it's going very well. And all I can say is if you are a rugby player and want to achieve special things, the, the club in the Northwest to join the two clubs are Tok H or Sail Sharks, but there's nothing in between that. If you're not good enough, if you're not good enough for Sale Sharks, you need to be coming down to Talk H to have a look at what we're up to because it's a brilliant club. I'd also uh, just wave a flag for Rafi Quirks. Oh, sorry, mate, you're breaking up. Rafi. You're breaking up again. <laughs> it was good enough for Rafi. No, nah, sorry, you've gone. Be good enough for you. You've gone. <laughs> All right, so you can find us uh, anywhere you get your podcast. Go hit subscribe. Leave us a five star review. Go to patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. Uh, if you want a bit of extra content and to just show your support in that way. And we very much appreciate it. And also contact edchasers at gmail.com, whether it's emails about big cats and hunting and in particular pre-season reviews for your club for the upcoming season. It is uh, massively important and much appreciated. So get involved and let the boys play. Let the boys play. Top work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.